0: ramble
1: hello ramblers fellow ramblers going on this is uh the wednesday of warble
0: wednesday warble
1: wednesday warble wednesday warble this might be our only day so i guess we don't need yeah. to title it just warbles yeah just the how'd warbles. you come up
0: with that the warbling i don't know <laughs> that's <laughs> I... what we could, could call called this the warbling
1: the warbling the warbling oh yeah I mean, we still have a chance. I mean, not really. We've called every other thing that we're rambling rambling on.
0: I like rambling on. Yeah, rambling on
1: is a generic. And then warbles are just like this is our midweek warble. Like, we just get together to warble together.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Implies song.
1: Yeah. Warble. Warble.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) I won't do that again.
0: (laughs) That was not music. (laughs) So it's. All right, yeah. so so we said today we're going to talk about yeah biographies.
1: Yep, biographies, maybe Slash some church, some church history. History. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited.
0: I am also excited to warble mm-hmm. about this. Um. So biography. Um, we can talk about favorites. Yeah. And but you brought up the question. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Why should we read biographies? Why you know? Because it's it's such a distinct genre, but it's a wide-reaching one. There's all kinds, all kinds of different people you can read about. Yeah, writing styles, all that. It's just, but Mm -hmm. it's 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 a distinct genre for sure. Yeah, um, with all that going on within it. So, biography in general. Mm -hmm. Why is it? Why is it a good thing to read?
1: Why is it a good thing to read? Well, um... Why are they good read? What? Okay. I'll edit that out. <laughs> um, I was just thinking out loud. Why are they good read So, I think biographies really struck me. So, I've read read a few, only a, like a couple Christian biographies. Um, one was Unbroken, um, about Louis Zamperini. And then... Um, Arnold Dallimore's, uh Charles, Charles Spurgeon biography. So those are the only oh. two like Christian biographies I've read. Um,
0: okay. Yeah. And
1: I think it was when I was reading Dallimore Spurgeon, I was like, man, I need to read more biographies. There was something mm. powerful about really seeing. I guess so. You kind of like when you look at people, whether it's uh, the celebrity pastor or the big name from church history you kind of only have a form, you have like an outline of the man, like you have the intro, you have some of the, you know, little nitty gritties of his life that kind of stand out, and then you have the end, and that's about it. And so you're like, okay, how did he become this way? Like, you know, how is God shaping people to be the people who stand the test of time? And when I read the Spurgeon biography, I was like, man, the things that that guy went through, the things that God put him through, took him through. Like, this is what made him the lasting character and not even, I mean, historical um, force for the church uh, in the 1800s. And so Hmm. I think the opportunity to fill out the statue that we kind of um, look up to is really cool. And then to see that these people struggled with a lot of the same things we do and sometimes even worse. And that's what really produced. Who they were, so I think that just off the top of my head, that's really uh, the striking part of biography to me. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because you, we all have heroes, you know, whether you're in ministry, whether you're a Christian, or whether you're not. Yeah. You you have these heroes that are larger than life, Mm -hmm. which sometimes can be it can be, um, disappointing totally to humanize the heroes because then you go oh like this guy wasn't right perfect you know I remember my dad read we loved western movies when I was growing up and he grew up on them so we when I was a kid we always watched John Wayne movies and everything and among others and but he read this John Wayne biography yeah I remember when I was a kid and it kind of like exposed all the yeah not so great stuff about him
1: It's interesting. It's almost sorry. I'm like totally gonna interrupt you, (laughs) but it it got me thinking. It's almost like the statue that you have in your mind of this guy is actually made of marble, or it's hollow. And so biography Hmm, gives you a picture inside. Like, is this really a steadfast person? Yeah. Or like, what were they really like? Yeah. What What are you actually seeing? Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a bummer.
0: It was it was disappointing to him but it's yeah. also like man I mean it's also good. I think if you see it the right way, it's good to be reminded yeah. that this guy was imperfect just like mm-hmm. me. I think that's the thing. It's like yeah. sometimes people reveal things that right. or make you also like look back inwards and see Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of screwed up too. And totally. I, yeah. Um hmm. I'm sinful too and um yeah, I, that that's funny, because everybody you read about is going to be imperfect. Mm-hmm. But biography I, done well will reveal like more yeah. of the. Are they really worth? Yeah. Following are they? Yeah. Uh, not that we should. I don't know. Not that we should.
1: Well, it's almost like.
0: There's an unhealthy kind of hero. Totally. We make out of people.
1: It's yeah. You don't. Want, it's almost like biographies are a good way to highlight imperfections in such a way that they make them it's almost like you bring your heroes closer to you Yeah. and then you don't make their imperfections seem like a bad thing it's just they humanize maybe not just the hero itself but his imperfections Mm -hmm. like to me to read about Spurgeon's struggles didn't make him any less of a person in my mind but actually helped my image like wow he He's real. Like, this is a real person yeah. in history and not just somebody who shows up on a book every once in a while who did things that I'll never do. Yeah. You know? Right. There's the imperfect imperfections are actually what makes him more um, trustworthy, I guess. Yeah. Of whatever yeah. honor I give him. So, right. Yeah.
0: Right. But, because especially as Christians, you think, like, oh, this guy was just this pillar mm-hmm. of the faith, and yeah. he... He must have just, you know, had so much joy and just was this incredible, but then you read about Spurgeon and it's like, he was bedridden with gout and like would, you know, pray that his life would end because he was in so much pain and would weep and by, depressed. Yeah,
1: all these different things about his history, his own past, some events that happened that he just had no control over and yet those things just
0: haunted him, like daily even. Yeah. So. Yeah, um, and he was dependent. He was depending on God oh, man. for everything.
1: Yeah, I think the maybe we one of the most s- powerful stories from that biography is talking about how every time Spurgeon would preach, first of all, he'd kind of he'd come down from whatever office or up to the pulpit, and every step he'd say, "You know, I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit." Hmm. You know, we call this guy the Prince of Preach Prince of Preachers, and so sometimes we attribute his preaching ability to simply just who he was. Yeah. Whereas his, every step he took to the pulpit was dependence. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, there were times where he'd have to take a break in the middle of preaching because he was in so much pain and he'd say, Hey, we we need to take a break. And then, you know, there were times where he would step off the stage or off the, out of the pulpit after he was done preaching and just go into the back room and weep and say, I have like, you know, made God's word into a travesty. Like I have basically just denigrated the faith by my preaching. Yeah. And you're like, boy, like these are not totally uncommon feelings. Totally. So it, that, man. And you read his
0: sermons and it's like, <laughs> yeah. Man, you're being way too hard on yourself. Exactly. But yeah. But, but, yeah. That's why his preaching is so good because yeah. he did not no. think he was, anything. no.
1: Yeah. He didn't think, he didn't think highly of himself. He, he was, in his mind, he was a humble servant yeah. who could never live up to, and part of this is his own faults, but he could never live up to the glory of the Bible. But mm-hmm. that just raised the level of his preaching because it was like, I'll never be what the Bible really needs yeah. from us, Yeah. but that's not really our job anyway. You know, mm. like the Bible's not calling us to give the perfect message. It's to be faithful. Yeah. And so... Yeah
0: yeah and that's what God uses right second yeah. corinthians 4 and, and, and 12 oh and yeah broken vessels power and... perfected in weakness yeah. and boasting in our weakness because God yeah. uses that and makes it clear that it's him yeah producing so. the fruit and yeah that's yeah, really good
1: what um what are some biographies that you read that were like man I like, if you were to suggest, hey, everybody out there needs to read a biography, first of all, <clears throat> like, but, man, this one, yeah. these two, like, you you got to check these out.
0: Yeah, so this, this is funny that you and I are doing this because I feel like every episode, I've, and this is maybe a good place to be, but I felt like I shouldn't be talking about this because I haven't read nearly enough in <laughs> right, this yeah. area yeah, or yeah, whatever. Totally. But with the limited scope. Yeah that we have to work with biographies one of those genres or segments that of reading i go like i haven't read nearly enough and i know i need to so i've read like just a handful of good biographies i think um so there's probably better ones or or ones that should be like at the top of the list that i haven't read yet yeah so so how about that's like reading project right yeah if we talk about that that's, that's like a reading project for me i need to read more Biographies and will hopefully, but mm-hmm. the couple that come to mind, um, probably my favorite one, has been was Bonhoeffer by oh, yeah. Metaxas. Okay, Eric Metaxas.
1: Is it Metaxas or Metahas? Metaxas. Okay, I didn't know if you got. All right, you don't need to make fun. No.
0: <laughs> Sorry, that no, was just it was a fun word to say. I just wanted to say it. Um just wanted to say it once. Metaxas, I think, but, um, there's another thing I'll edit out, but, (laughs) the, it was just great, like, super readable, and I think it hit me as, like, I was getting back into reading a lot when Jenny bought that for me, Okay. I think for Christmas, Yeah. however many years ago, and I'm looking at it, it's up on the shelf, he, uh, there's Bonhoeffer's face looking down. There it is. There
1: he is. It's Dietrich.
0: But, uh. I think I was getting back into trying to read a lot and setting reading goals and trying to be really purposeful Yeah. about, you know, actually reading with a plan and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And, um, so I read that and it was just like, I was glued to it and it was so, so readable, but I don't think he sacrificed depth to make it readable. So it kind of reads like a novel that's not too, okay not too dense where you just you tear through it so it's whatever it is over whatever, a thousand page, pages and you just yeah. I would read like a hundred pages in a sitting yeah. and stuff and um, just glued to the story an right. amazing story and he tells it so well but I thought what Bonhoeffer does um, just the guy's life does this but the way the story's told what Metaxas does yeah. is he really makes you as a Christian I think an, an unbeliever could read that book and just be yeah just captivated by it. Yeah. but it makes you really think, okay, here's my faith. Yeah. here's what I know is right and pleasing to God right And then here's a very difficult situation mm-hmm. culturally yeah. and um, convictionally like here's right. so for Bonhoeffer like here's an evil power, an evil man. And Hitler, yeah. who's taken over everything, mm-hmm. has taken over my country. I yeah. love my country. Um, I love the church in Germany. Um, and then here's this situation with this evil right. tyrant and the things that he's doing that I'm aware of. And I'm he's right in the midst of it. He sees the raids yeah. on churches and leaders and people being killed. And this is like in the 30s, yeah. mid 30s, late 30s as Hitler's taken over. Nobody really knows right. what this guy is up to yet, totally, and he sees it because he's there. Yeah, and he has to deal with what do my convictions actually lead me to do? Right, passivism, yeah. um, mm-hmm. active opposition right. of, of the evil, and so right or wrong, people will disagree with his, you know, his part of being a, the part of the plot to kill. Hitler that went wrong, Mm -hmm. and um, ultimately led to his martyrdom, you know, in the concentration camp. But spoiler alert. (laughs) 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 Um, But uh, I just it's it's those kind of tough decisions. Like wow, this and I think for Bonhoeffer, like what a cool guy. What but a guy that just really. Was fighting to, you know, my convictions and my faith really lead yeah. me to actually act and make decisions? Yeah. I don't just write it right. write it out and avoid conflict. It's like, yeah, my faith in Christ, mm-hmm. my Christianity is going to require something of me.
1: I think uh, a lot of people have like the most general idea, or they at least know his name. Yeah. And so it it is really cool. Sounds like to like take the time to actually, oh man, you know this is what he was all about. No wonder his name is kind of on the edge of everyone's tongue. Like, everyone would be like, oh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Like, you yeah. know, he died early and was a big force in Germany for Christianity, but yeah. why? Like, you know, that, that's about it. And mm-hmm. I think, um, is he the one who came up with the the for doing life together? Mm-hmm. Is that his? Yeah, so like, yeah, that's even funny. that, his book's a little short which has survived... Throughout yeah. church history, you know, from his time on, like that's
0: which like, is excellent, by the way.
1: Yeah, okay. And yeah. like, that's we use that whether we know it's from him or not. So, yeah.
0: and it's something that was tested, yeah, and came out of hardship. Right. And it was life together. He wrote it, he got a bunch of like seminary guys together okay. to train as pastors, but yeah. like had to do it in secret and had to create oh, like a little like community for yeah. them to do life together, right? But they're literally sharing. Wealth and meals yeah. and studying the Bible together, yeah, and learning how to be preachers and shepherds, yeah, that's uh, to pastor people in an oppressive, yeah, hostile some... regime. It's so... just
1: so inspiring to the faith, it's really. Yeah, I mean, if we haven't said it yet, that's maybe that's like one of the biggest things about biographies is just that's the inspiration it. that people have done this in yeah. the hard, hard stuff.
0: The funny thing is with Bonhoeffer, why he's so unique is it's like. You read about something, you're kind of reading about a similar situation when you read about like the, you read about Martin Luther and some of these yeah. larger than life guys that yeah. um, stood on their convictions when, right. you know, everybody was against them, wanted to kill them for their faith, yeah. for their preaching, whatever, John Bunyan. Yeah. Um, But Bonhoeffer's like the modern guy where like our grandparents, a lot of our grandparents right. were alive when he was alive. and Yeah he's so modern it's mm-hmm. like this was just this was not that long ago right um
1: yeah and he did it in a different way that like um and maybe this is the wrong reference but, like Jay Gresham May- Machen is mm-hmm. that his name yeah Machen mm-hmm. Machen Machen yeah so like you know he was kind of doing it out here right with the seminaries and yep. and so you see that yeah in, ac- in the academic world and then you see Bonhoeffer
0: in yeah. like the social world almost and like, Machen he- stood up People hated him. Yeah. So, like, and stood up against liberalism. You kind of see the two sides
1: where, like, one person's standing up against a force that's totally physical and, you know, overpowering, and he's using what he knows about the Bible and about his faith to fight against that. And then one's fighting against a spiritual, mental force. And both of them stand out in history as, you know, forces against evil yeah. if you will you know yeah yeah and you know that evil applied to liberal theology might not be totally kosher but hey yeah you know that's that's the truth of it so yeah yeah I, that's really cool
0: yeah I think you're totally right that biographies like remind us that this stuff these other people did is not out of the realm of possibility totally for us and these people that did these great deeds mm-hmm were faithful did one thing after another that yeah. that led to this story that you you know and we th- we in our modern day everything's so easy and we forget that like mm-hmm. things get really difficult yeah. for us and we may be called upon to make really difficult decisions yeah. and who knows what those, those might be right. but biographies remind you like these people were just like us yeah and then we're called upon to actually Yeah, live out who they are. So
1: that's why it's pretty cool too. Like just even larger than biographies, because it's good I think to focus on some of the centerpieces. But even just studying the church history in a broad sense gives you a picture of each of these guys in their context, uh, in the larger context, rather than just the context of their individual life. Yeah. Um, I remember I, I read through, uh, have you heard of 2,000 Years of Christ's Power mm-hmm. by Nick Needham? I think it's a four part series but he okay. takes it back yeah. to the early church and just to, you know, you always have this idea, or I, I mean I did at least until I like actually read church history up to about the middle ages even through then because you're always like how do we get our faith? Like we're 2,000 years removed from Christ Where did how do we get here? Yeah. Like, okay, I know back yeah. to the 1800s. I know back to Martin Luther. But well, what about people before then? Like, yeah. was anyone saved after the church? Like, yeah. you know, and even in the Middle Ages, like, it was all Catholicism. And so sometimes we kind of rail against it and say, how could anyone have been saved in that system? Mm-hmm. You know, like, the gospel was being hidden from people. And so to read church history and to say, no, there were there were <laughs> blips on the radar from you know, whatever, Christ died till now, that just kept the flame of the gospel yeah. alive. You know, and to read that is... How did
0: Christianity spread? How did it stay pure? Yeah. How did God keep it pure? Yes. In light of... Uh, yeah. And through periods of... of yeah. Yeah, obscuring mm-hmm. darkness. and, Yeah.
1: Yeah, have you... Because um, I know I mentioned 2,000 Years of Christ's Power. Have you read any good church history books? That, like, man, oh, this one... Because I know um, Sinclair Ferguson has one that's like uh, Church History One Hundred One or something like that. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it, is it an audio book? It might be. I don't know if it's simply audio or not, but um,
0: yeah, I'm not sure. I think that's it's, I've
1: it's, heard it's that's a short good. book. It's, yeah, yeah. Um, yes, he has one.
0: Um, I've heard that's good. I think there's some really good that I haven't read, but there's some really, so I hear. <laughs> Really good little primers like that, yeah, on church history, which is yeah. probably really helpful. Yeah, because I've I've had to really piece mm-hmm. it together, and I still I need to read more. That's mm-hmm. part of the showing up in this. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, probably those we could even put. We get this episode up. We'll put it in the notes. Yeah, maybe some of those primers that yeah, like in a hundred or hundred and fifty pages or something, just right. that lays out kind of the major yeah. movements and stages of church history like from Christ till now or whatever yeah. that um really good church history books i read again I'm so deficient <laughs> <laughs> you deficient I man i read those the um the steve lawson series i know pillars
1: of grace and uh,
0: yeah yeah was, so the the pillars and foundations of grace yeah, there you those go. big yeah. volumes are really yeah. good i have them both i don't know, do you have those at all? yeah yep that's just a great reference. Yeah, you it really is. hear about somebody and it's all timelined. Yeah. So you can look at, you know, where these different characters fell.
1: And Lawson does a good job, I think, um, of not getting bogged down in the details. Yeah. Like he... You get, like,
0: three pages of Yeah, and you get, like, story the, on the this really
1: guy. chunky, like, man, this is this is a good picture of why this person or why this time was so eventful. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, you know, in our mind stands out is because... And he gives you the biggest things, you know? Mm-hmm. Like... Whatever it was. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I, um, I remember the first time. It, it's interesting because you read church history and you're like, you kind of are on the front of it. You're like, I don't know really why I'm doing this other than just for reference <laughs> knowledge, right? Like, okay, great. I'll learn about the church fathers and all that. Yeah. But you start to learn that the things that we do, and this is the same idea with the biographies, but maybe even on a broader scale as the church, is the church has been dealing with the same issues throughout time different names different people um, yeah but everything is the same it's just cycles it's like you know the heresy they were dealing with back in the early church is the same stuff that we're dealing with today
0: Mm -hmm. just recast
1: it's almost like you could just say oh you want to fight against heresy go read what they did you know early church when they condemned all these things yeah yeah (laughs) you know but nobody really reads that and so it comes up and we're like how do we handle it Mm -hmm. well it's been handled but nobody knows. Yeah. Yeah, man,
0: that's just. I read. It's not by Lawson, um, but it's in his godly profile, godly profiles of godly yes, men yeah, yeah, yeah. series. So Yeah. Um, the John Knox. Yeah, my boy. Uh, it's Doug Bond, Douglas Bond. Okay. Wrote that, um, which I, I bought like when it was new at one of the conferences we went to. Um, yeah. And because I'm Scots Irish okay yeah i want to read about the scottish you know scotch reformer it was great oh yeah like mary queen of scots wanted to kill this guy and how he stood on the the reformed if i could be an expert
1: of one reformation guy i'd be john dude
0: yes yeah yeah like what a great story and it's sort of pure like you're talking about how do you stand against heresy yeah his story i feel like is pure just like yeah. Man, everybody just well, hated his kind of preaching and teaching. It's
1: pure, but it's also, like, it's, it's weird. It's pure, but it's also very raw. Like, John yeah. Knox was a yeah. raw guy. Like, he probably might not fit into a neat, like, nice circle yeah. of people. Yeah, yeah. You see that in his preaching. You see it in the fact that he carried a broadsword sort of around. Right. <laughs> sort of like, edgy. Yeah. Um. Like, that guy was strapped with a broadsword. It was the. Uh... <laughs> all the time.
0: Yeah just this the, the the scottish you know yeah the, the, like, it's great the brave heart. has feels have today. you heard the
1: story <laughs> of him he's on a um a slave ship right where he is like rowing a boat as a as a slave to whatever it was and they gave uh him <laughs> a i don't know what it was like a statue a little statuette of um Mary, right? Of, and he, they're like, you need to pray to this or worship this, and he took it and he threw it off the boat.
0: And like, he's like a slave on the yeah, he's on the...
1: They get, they're like, you need to bow down and worship and pray to this idol, uh, or you know, venerate this idol. And he grabs it and he threw it in the water. <laughs> I'm like, that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Take your statue. Yeah, like the. You're literally bound in chains rowing this boat for the people who are, you know, your masters, and they're like, hey, do this, and you basically just say no, and you throw it. Yeah. You don't just, like, say no. You'd go to the lengths to grab it and throw it it in the water. I'm like, that guy is the man.
0: That's great. So That's just, yeah, I love that. Do to me what you will. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's that, the brash, the Scotsman, you know, It's awesome.
1: Yeah, that's uh, so. That's that's the cool part of seeing that in
0: church history there's, and. There's something about the, like the Scotch Irish, you know, guys and how they yep. put things, and even just the, the British preachers, Spurgeon and stuff. Yeah. There's the quote that, and in that Doug Bond biography, it keeps coming up. Um, at the end of his life, mm-hmm. he asked his wife to read him. I think it was out of First Corinthians. He wanted her because it was the the influential. Passage or verse that okay. when he was saved, what God he mm. used to break through to get through. Yeah. And um, so it was that precious, like, first little passage of scripture that okay. that made sense to him yeah. and was life giving. So he told his wife, Read to me where I cast my first anchor.
1: Oh, that's so cool. And it's just Gosh. like that stick, like where you
0: know, where you cast your first anchor into scripture. That's, man. Just uh, who else such a good puts image. that that way? Yeah. Jeez. And that's precious to you, you know, all these years, so. Wow. Um,
1: Yeah, I remember hearing somehow we went from biographies to church history back to biographies. (laughs) In a sense. It's so funny. Well, you can't help me talk about John Knox. It's like...
0: (laughs) We rambled. We rambled back around.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I remember hearing, um, because he's, like, known as, like, this power, fire-filled preacher, you know, and, like... uh, it was said that when he preached, and even you can find a picture of him preaching and you're going to see what people are talking about, that his congreg- congregation felt like at any moment he might jump out of the pulpit into the crowd. <laughs> like he, he would just, the pulpit was the only thing standing between him and the people he was preaching just to. Goes he was just on fire all at the you. time, you know? And that's huh. just, like that's what you imagine when you think about, man, this is the dire stakes moment. Like are we yeah. going to, Sinker, you know swim yeah, yeah and he's preaching like we need to raise this boat up out of the depths yeah you know and it's just that's just so inspiring now you do that today and people just think you're an angry guy but yeah, <laughs> because things like, are angry, the same you know preacher. yeah there's moments in history where those kinds of preachers are needed yeah and uh oh, yeah. that was that time like that's people cool. needed that so
0: that's cool the other biography that comes to mind is um, I'm looking at it on the shelf Uh, Stephen Nichols I'm blanking on that but the Martin Luther um, His Life and Thought by Stephen Nichols okay and I haven't finished it ironically but it's probably the best thing I've read I've tried to read different things on Luther yeah and this one I feel like does such a good job of weaving together his theology with just the story yeah of his life it just, it just makes so much sense and you can and you get the timeline of events and how his thought yeah. and theology shaping
1: yeah he um, through
0: all of that stuff and,
1: he's like simultaneously the most vilified but also like heroic yeah human in church history cause you like you yeah, look man. at him he didn't have a middle ground and that's thats why mm-hmm. he was the spark of the Reformation, and he you know? kind
0: of had to be that way. Yeah, totally. Like God, that's created it. a man for that. Yeah, exactly. Moment,
1: yeah. You know, because either he's vilified for his views on whatever it was. You know, <laughs> I think it's it's really funny, and part of it is we look back and say they just didn't have the time to work this stuff out. There's more important things, right? Yeah, yeah. But like uh, communion, his view on communion wasn't full transubstantiation, but he's like, but Christ's body surrounds the elements like mm. he's like he he wanted to break away a little bit but he couldn't help but hang on to some idea you know <laughs> like he just couldn't he couldn't totally remove himself from yeah that. and uh so like a lot yeah. of times we get bogged down by that but it's like well did they really have time to work out some of these issues like right, you know they're fighting for the faith and
0: you're like this guy's just coming out of the darkness of yeah catholic monasticism right, right. and so yeah, I don't want to play that card too often. of like, right. yeah, just give the guy some credit. But like, yeah, yeah seriously, give the guy some credit. <laughs> but <laughs>
1: hey, but also, <laughs> but
0: actually, yeah, yeah. But in any era, yeah, you know, and I, that's something I don't know, man. We'll look back, even twenty years from now, and go, yeah, I didn't have it all formulated perfect. Totally. Like, and by by God's grace, we strive, yeah, to have it all like, yeah, buttoned if, down and, and theologically, yeah, um, you know right and stuff but yeah if it's it's not the theology it's the approach yes maybe later it's like ah you know i didn't play that out very well or i was immature in how i handled this or how i applied yeah this
1: well i think even now church history when we we look back we'll we'll probably look at now like it's almost like church history is this like swinging rope that has like it's just separating people more and more, like not not in the that the church is divided, but more like um, you know, you think back to the early church when they're still working some things out, they're forming scripture, they're you know, and so some people are like, No, this needs to be in the canon, this doesn't, you know, you look at even in the fifteen hundreds, Martin Luther and his view on Revelation, like um, there's people who are just on opposite sides of things and it's just spinning faster and faster and so there's this idea that maybe things are really divided and we're going to look back and say, maybe what I was really hardline on, I didn't need to be. And you look back at church history and you see that all over the place. Mm -hmm. There are things that you need to be hardline about. Man, outside of that, there's really not a lot like justification by faith in Christ alone. Okay, Uh, now, okay, the Bible says things, let's work those out. But, you gotta find the center I feel like yeah otherwise you start to apply these standards to people for salvation and it's like you look back and say "Well, that doesn't make a lot of sense (laughs) yeah so you know seeing that worked out over history kind of helps us contextualize better yeah so yeah cool
0: any other thoughts? any other
1: biographies? no I think we've uh, saved some more for we've really
0: uh, you good? Yeah. All right. Ramble on. Ramble on. Thanks for rambling with us.
1: Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to Rambling On, a podcast about great books and other exciting stuff. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes and see you next time.